welcome to the show from the The MD MD and Chef team. team. I'm Dr. Isabel, medical doctor here at the MD and Chef team. And who are you? And I'm Chef Michael, culinary nutrition expert. I'm the chef part of the team. And what are we going to talk about, babe? Now, I can say that because he's my husband. (laughs) Yes. Well, then we'll be talking about marriage, relationships, parenting, intimacy. We'll talk about mindsets of success, overcoming depression, anxiety. I'll be getting into functional nutrition, recipes and tips from the kitchen. And we're going to both get into how to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Yes, I love it. Our mission is to help you prevent and reverse disease and give you hope in the process. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. We We like like to have fun, fun too. So let's Let's get get on with the show. Hello, Lindsay, Dr. Lindsay Elmore. Welcome to the MD and Chef team. I am so honored to have you here. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and say a little bit about you. There's so much to share about you. But I'm going to kind of narrow it down because you're a woman of many talents. Uh, The first is Dr. Lindsay Elmore is a pharmacist and natural medicine expert, a vegan cook, a yogi, a podcast host, and a business strategy coach. Through her own personal challenges, Dr. Elmore discovered Chinese medicine, herbal medicine, supplements, vitamins, and minerals, and chiropractic care and yoga and meditation. And this started her on her natural wellness journey, which I cannot wait to ask you about. And your whole world turned upside down when you started discovering essential oils, which I am so into. And you you are also the creator of the Clean Slate Cleanse, a gluten-free vegan food course. Welcome. How is it going in North Carolina? Is that where you are? Yeah, I'm here in North Carolina. It has been going very, very well. Um, Recently relocated um, out of New York City to come down and get get some more land and some more fresh air and some more space. And so it's been a really good move. It's been interesting as well because... I did my postdoc. I did my second year postdoc in North Carolina, and I'm still a licensed pharmacist here in North Carolina. And so I'm on the brink of being able to take students again. And I think that that's really important because throughout all of my journey, I've learned so much about the role of food and the role of natural wellness, the role of self-care and stress reduction and adequate sleep and all of those things in really helping to keep us healthy from head to toe. And I'm excited to be able to pass that along to another group of pharmacists. That are open and teachable and motivated. You know, if you sign up for a holistic pharmacy elective and you're in pharmacy school and you come to me, I'm going to teach you all the things that we don't get taught in pharmacy school, unfortunately. Oh, I love it. How long is the course? It depends on the school. Some schools do um, a month-long internship. Some schools do six weeks. So it just depends. And I... I have not practiced pharmacy in a while. And this year I decided, you know what? I think I want to 
start taking some patients and start working with more pharmacists. And what I've learned is that there's a whole bunch of pharmacists out there that are engaged in natural wellness, that understand functional medicine, that understand the role of the food that we eat. And I'm excited to continue expanding my knowledge in this and then to be able to pass it along to a group of pharmacists that, you know, you just simply do not get this kind of exposure in most pharmacy schools, which is unfortunate because pharmacognosy or the traditional study of plants as medicine used to be a part of every single pharmacy school curriculum. Yeah. And where did it go? Where happened? Yeah, I mean, when was that? When did that change? Do you remember? Um, pharmacognosy started to fall out of fashion in like the 80s and 90s as a as a practice within pharmacy schools. And by the time I went to pharmacy school in the early 2000s, it was one of those things like I'd never even heard of it. I didn't know what it was. And now a lot of pharmacists are saying like, do we want to reintroduce this back into our curricula? Because before pharmacists were very, very important in the creation of patient specific medications through a practice called compounding. And so I use, I use compounding uh, bioidentical compounding hormones with my patients. Absolutely. A lot of other products that they compound. Yeah. And it's really important. And that is one of the most traditional ways that physicians and pharmacists worked together was the physician said, I think the patient needs this, but then the pharmacist had to make it. And we have all of these amazing skill sets in the creation of patient specific medication. And unfortunately, my deepest concern for the state of medical practice is how we have lost the understanding that each person needs specific medications. There's no one size fits all medicine. It will never work. And so all of these guidelines that disagree with each other, I mean, ask 15 experts what the ideal blood pressure is for an average adult. No (laughs) one can tell you. Um, And so I think that getting back to the understanding that part of the medicine that we provide is the actual, it's us, it's our hearts, it's our soul, it's our dedication. And that is something that I just keep saying to myself, I want to put the soul back into pharmacy. I want to put the soul back into medicine because it used to be there, you know? I love it. it. I love it. And so, okay. So everybody thinks that a pharmacist just pushes pills. I mean, that's the new, new way we think, but now you you're opening up our eyes. So what are some of the herbs and vitamins and essential oils and supplements, you know, that you feel as a pharmacist, as a whole, a holistic pharmacist, believe are important for present day chronic disease? Oh, well, I think that a lot of chronic diseases are food-based 
illnesses. You know, we think we think of food-based illnesses as infectious disease where you're eating eggs that are tainted with salmonella or eating spinach that has E. coli on it. But we also know that people with irritable bowel disease, if they eat a ton of fried food or a ton of dairy, guess what? It inflames their gut. And so, and we also know that for example, gluten, a lot of people say, oh, I, I, I generally stay away from gluten, but I eat it maybe four or five times a year. Well, the inflammation that can be triggered even in someone without celiac disease can last sometimes three to four months. Yes. So even if you're simply splurging at your birthday, at Christmas, and yes. one other major holiday, that inflammation lasts all year. I, and I think if I want to, I want to interject because I love giving pictures because I'm such a picture learner, you know. So if people were in the audience, if they see the inside of your gut has little hairs, well, those hairs are like really important. We call them villi. And whenever we eat gluten, it chops them off. And so they're like this. And so they're not absorbing the right food. And it takes three to four months. When I learned that, I became truly gluten-free. Truly. Yeah. Because, and I, because it affects us so much. It affects us so much. And the industrialization of food is a major problem. Because if you think back to ancient wheat, ancient wheat did not contain the same genetics as our modern day wheat. So modern day wheat took ancient wheat and crossbred it with goat grasses, which introduced the D genome into wheat. Bakers love the B, the D genome. We love it because it's what gives the springiness uh -huh. as well as that particular mouthfeel that you can only get yes. from eating gluten. But when it did that, it introduced a full 5% of the proteins that were produced by this new genetic information were extraordinarily inflammatory and extraordinarily irritating to the gut. And so I, I, I mean, I know that there is every study known to man because a big problem in science is you can find a study to say anything, you know, anything. The, anything. anything. I mean, come on. The tobacco industry wrote the manual on it. And, and they say, we don't sell tobacco. What we sell is doubt. We must give people doubt that our, that our cigarettes and our chewing tobaccos are, are they dangerous? Are they really, we sow that doubt. So I can find you a study that says eating a 100% meat-based diet with tons of dairy, tons of gluten, oh, yeah. all the things. And people will say it's, it's, it's not a problem, but I know firsthand and I've seen firsthand the transformations that people can go through when they begin to focus on truly whole foods, be that an exclusively plant-based diet 
or if it is a primarily plant-based diet, I think that you can make major, major changes. And I think that we, especially in America, have been completely lied to, you know, you must have three servings of calcium a day and your best way to get it is from dairy products. Like who made that rule up, you know? Hey, we get Um, it here in New Zealand too. So it's pretty much around the world. At this point with the globalization of the world, it's bad. And you think about one of the foods that New Zealand is famous for is, is lamb. You know, lamb farming used to be this tiny operation where a local village would go and pick out a lamb. And now you see the headlines that are like New Zealand lamb now available around the world. Well, that means you had to industrialize your food production which is never good because when we industrialize our food production, we end up focusing, at least this is what has happened in in the world, we're focusing on two crops, corn and soy. And you're taking that corn and soy, it's inedible out of the field, which the irony of a corn farmer who can't feed themselves at the end of the day is astonishing. And then instead of us just taking in that plant material and getting the protein, getting the the carbohydrates, the nutrients that we need, we end up feeding it to larger animals, accumulating the toxins up the food chain. And then we end up very unfortunately not treating animals well throughout their cultivated life and putting them through very stressful and fearful situations at the end of life. So I, I, I don't know if there's one perfect way for humans to eat, but I can say from the shape of our mouth, the shape of our teeth and the shape of our gut we are primarily built to eat plants. And oh, I think yeah. that we should be eating a whole bunch of plants as a key part of the diet. And as often as possible, if we can eat food that has not been processed at all, if it's processed, it better be processed by you in your food processor at home, you know? <laughs> so if we can focus on those simple things, not only does it improve our health, our internal health, it reduces our risk of chronic disease. It also helps to prevent the extraordinarily high levels of deforestation and pollution that happen because of the industrialization of food. You know, and as far as supplements and things go, Taking a multiple vitamin supplement every day, to me, I've had pharmacists and physicians disagree with me and go for it if you want to. But to me, taking a multiple vitamin, the risk is so low and the benefits of not being nutrient depleted are so high. So if you find yourself in a situation where you go, I had a bad week and I did not eat like I was supposed to, I didn't eat my fruits and vegetables and all things take a supplement. It's okay. You know, if you do eat a completely plant-based diet, taking a a multiple B vitamin supplement is arguably a good idea. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for supplements, but good, clean 
supplement. Good, clean, not GMO'd and no dairy. And also, you know, if we if we lived in a beautiful world where everything was clean, nobody was stressed, there was no pollution, I would say we don't need supplements, but our food is so contaminated and it's, our stress is so elevated. We absolutely need supplements. So I'm, I'm a doctor that believes in supplements, but practitioner well, strength supplements, not the ones you I'm, get off the grocery store. Here's the thing. Our food is not only contaminated, it simply lacks nutrition because the soil that it is grown in lacks nutrition. You know, I I look at fertilizers, even, even organic fertilizers that you can get at the store and what's in them, nitrogen, potassium, sulfur. And I'm like, yeah, but where's the molybdenum? Like, where is the selenium that would typically be in in soil? And unfortunately, the the monoculturalization of farming practices has also led to extremely high levels of herbicides and pesticides being used on and around our food. And water runoff is a very real thing. And I don't think we fully know the implications of it yet. And what you just said about stress, absolutely. If you do nothing else, if you pick up nothing else from this (laughs) podcast today, can you spend a minute, like one 60 seconds in quiet internal, just breathing each day? Because the impacts of stress are extraordinarily high. Uh, it destroys your immune system. It destroys your endocrine system. It destroys your relationships, which then puts additional stress on you. It it makes you less likely to be able to sleep at night, which goes so, I mean, getting good sleep is one of the absolute keys to health. And in, in stress reduction is one of the ways that I think essential oils can be incorporated into everyone's life. Because, you know, you were talking about the villi in the gut, mm. but inside our nose, we have tiny cilia, which are finger-like projections, but really, really small hairs. And so we have these cilia in our nose that when we smell an odorant molecule, such as a lavender essential oil or a patchouli essential oil or whatever your spouse is cooking, whatever, whenever we smell something, those cilia start to vibrate, which generates an electrical potential that then moves from the inside of your nose up across the base of the skull into the olfactory bulb. And so olfactory is the fancy way of saying it's a smelling home. Yeah, it's the smelling home. Exactly. And from that olfactory bulb, there are axons that project into the most ancient portion of your brain called the limbic system. And axons are like highways. They're like, it's just connections, highways. Yeah, it sends a signal. Yeah, you think of it like throwing a ball, you know, it just sends the projections into this ancient portion of your brain where not only are our emotions housed, 
but also our fight, flight, or freeze response. Our hormones are are housed there. Yes. Our memory of navigational maps are all in there. And only from there, once this aroma has been interpreted by this ancient portion of our brain, does it then send another baseball toss to the conscious portion of your brain? And that is where you, you begin to interpret all of the signals that you are being sent. That was very well put. I like that little journey you just gave. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So what kind of herbs, what kind of oils do you like using for your stressed out patients? Well, I think everyone is individual. And so, you know, one of my, one of my mentors was asked, what is your favorite essential oil? And he replied, the one in my hand. And people ask me all the time, like, for example, um, in two days from today, I'm going to be teaching uh, an emotional release class where we're going to be talking about essential oils. And people have written in and said, like, what if I don't have those oils? Bring one. Just bring one that you love. Mm. So it can be so simple. It can be lavender essential oil in a diffuser at night while you sleep or perhaps some vetiver while you're trying to study. I got into a patch of poison ivy and I've been putting I've been putting peppermint essential oil on that because menthol is a topical analgesic. Whenever I'm having those afternoon slumps where you're just not feeling good at three o'clock in the afternoon, inhale some rosemary or some basil essential oil, things that have been, yes, things that have been shown to help improve focus. And, you know, about peppermint, peppermint is amazing. So it's liquid air conditioning for one thing. So on days when you're feeling hot outside, I, I will admit I've never been to New Zealand and that makes me sad. I've been to Australia. You will someday. One day, one day. I once had the opportunity to go to Hobart and something happened at the very last minute, whole thing. But I know from my travels in Sydney and Melbourne and Perth and and, and Darwin and all over Australia, it gets pretty hot. So you can apply the essential oil to your skin if you're feeling warm. You can also put the peppermint essential oil into a bath as an optional for um, a fever reducer, especially in younger children. It also is an excellent digestive. And so if you, instead of having I don't know, grappa or cognac or whatever after a meal, take some of the peppermint essential oil. The peppermint essential oil helps to soothe the smooth musculature of the gut, helping the food to pass through with greater ease. And it's been studied extensively in people who have irritable bowel syndrome. And so, yeah. So, I mean, those are just some basic uses of the essential oils, but there, there are so many that I have. Oh, oh, I know love. there are so many. So I've, I've just started getting into the essential oils. So I love essential oils. I want to kind of switch topic about your journey. Yeah. You know, what brought you, you know, what took you from becoming a pharmacist and then you had an episode, a journey, a blip, 
a hiccup on your road? What made you, what happened? What, what's your health journey? So I went to pharmacy school after I completed my undergraduate degree. And my first year in pharmacy school, I tore my ACL. I've been skiing one time in my life and I tore my ACL. I know, not Not fair. I know. And so when you tear your ACL, part of the recovery is that you get your leg put into a leg brace. Well, the leg brace, at least for a portion of the recovery time, is locked out straight. So it doesn't allow your knee to bend as it normally does. So every time you walk, you have to hike your hip up to take a step because normally when we walk, we bend our legs, which allows us to walk at a normal pace. Well, you can't do that if your leg is locked out straight. So you either have to like swing it to the side or you hike your hip. So one day I'm in pharmacy school and I'm studying and I realize I cannot sit on my sit bones. I was so turned over to one side. I don't know why I I credit the insurance, the medical insurance that I had at the time for covering chiropractic care. I end up in the chiropractor's office and she immediately is like, whoa, your hips are a little off, gets my spine and my hips back into alignment. I happened to mention to her, hey, doc, I have been struggling with insomnia for about a month now, and I think I may die. And she sends me to the acupuncturist. Now, I'd gone to the nurse practitioner. I'd gotten prescribed the the Zolpidem and all the sedative hypnotic agents, all the things. I go to the acupuncturist, and all of a sudden, she's telling me things like, Insomnia is a symptom of liver congestion. And so we're actually going to work on your liver congestion. And it's also a sign of an imbalance between yin and yang. So yin in Chinese medicine is is an inward feminine moon energy. Yang is an outward masculine sun energy. And the way she explained it to me was... We have so much time throughout the day where it is dark outside and we are wide awake inside our home, sitting under lights. But there is very little time during our day when it is daylight outside and we are intentionally in that yin state, that calm, relaxed moon state. So the advice that she gave me was so just in opposition to what I was being taught in pharmacy school. And she said, okay, so the first thing I'm going to need you to do is take a nap every day for 75 days. And she also recommended apple cider vinegar between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. as this is the Chinese medicine clock time Mm -hmm. for the liver. And so she's like, you know, the liver likes to suck up a whole bunch of energy and we want to push it out. And the liver's taste that it responds to is sour. So I started doing a shot of apple cider vinegar every morning. I um, then added on 
herbs and castor oil packs and started using enemas and intentional food detoxifications. Where did, you, it's like, did you take your nap for 75 days? Girl, that was real hard. I made it. it. I mean, like you have no idea how actually difficult it is. You're a go-getter. What time did she ask you to take your nap? Like between 2.30 and 3.30 or something? She didn't give me any specific times. I mean, and I mean, you know, you went to medical school. Being in pharmacy school or medical school is one of the absolute most stressful times in your life. And, and nobody I, talks about it in met, right? Nobody talks about it. I'd love to have a conversation talk- with you at another time about this topic. Yes, because nobody talks about stress. No one talks about burnout and no one talks about empathy fatigue, mm. which I think is the greatest risk to patient health when they engage, if your practitioner, if your provider does not have empathy for where you are in your journey, you're always going to feel unheard. You're always going to feel like you're just a number with someone. And so I I agree. Let's talk about it another time. And so, but anyway, about your journey. So you did the uh, castor oil, the enemas and And then I started doing dietary cleanses. So I came across a book that was all about how to reduce inflammation in your body, how to calm the mind, all the things, and broke my addiction to sugar forever with just that first, that first cleanse. I mean, I'm telling you listeners, if you stop eating sugar for a month and then you taste sugar again, you will almost gag. It's so disgusting when you get it. And so I just started then and I was like, okay, I have learned that there is a completely different way to talk about health than what I was taught in pharmacy school, which is a pill for every ill. And I started incorporating it into my daily practice. And I worked hard to maintain my empathy because, you know, if a patient comes in and tells me, doc, I drink 12 sodas a day, which has happened. Or I helped a patient who smoked, she smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. And if she had insomnia, she would get up in the middle of the night and smoke another pack. So there were days when she was smoking a hundred cigarettes a day. She would light one with the next one. Well, they make it very addictive. So that doesn't surprise me. They make it intentionally addictive. Oh, Oh yeah. and food is made intentionally addictive. You know, and they, I was, and they don't hold your hand when you're in the hospital dying or they oh. don't they don't pay for your family to survive because you no longer can work to support the family. It's not just only, so wrong. Not only that, some of the least nutritious and the most unhealthy food that you can get is served to patients in hospitals. It's like, are you serious right now? You expect me to get healthy on this white bread (laughs) and yellow? I don't know what you expect of me. And so I was always very conscious because one of the great things that my acupuncturist did for me is it was about one step 
one step. And I still find myself just doing, okay, one step, one step, you know, for example, I think, I think 2020 has been a year of deep self exploration for a lot of people. And I've just decided, you know, I'm going to do some challenges, things that I've never done. And so last month, normally the cleanses that I do are 21 days. I ended up going to 32. I'm in the midst. I'll show you. I've got my hundred days of gratitude that I'm on day 40 today. I am, I'm on day three of, of, um, yoga every day for at least 20 minutes, day 45 of at least five minutes of meditation. You know, health is not about going to some clinic where you get fed this pristine diet and you lose the hundred pounds and you get the emotional counseling that has allowed you to address all of your problems that you had as a child. True health is about what are you willing to do every single day for the next five years, for the next 50 years. Have you ever read that book called The Slight Edge? No, I love it. What is it? It's an amazing book in a nutshell. The Slight Edge is essentially, you know how when a spaceship takes off to go to the moon? Well, ground control is managing it, right? So imagine Mm -hmm. you and I are ground control right here. Well. That spaceship is off course 97% of the time. It's mm-hmm. only on course 3% of the time. So what's getting it to its target? Slight changes every day yes. by ground yes. control. So we are the ground control that maneuvers how we get to our goal. So it's little steps. I... And that, that helps me because being a real go-getter and, you know, I mean, we're not in medicine just because we felt like we wanted to do something for a day or two. No, you have to put in the hard work, but it's those step by step by step changes either help you go up or make you go down. Absolutely. Really helpful for the mind. I agree. And, and I always was very cautious as well as loving for my patients. And I still am. I will meet a patient wherever they are. You know, if people tell me that they want their life to change and they're drinking 12 sodas a day, okay, well, can I talk to you about drinking 11? Okay, can we talk about... (laughs) Yeah, one small thing, one small thing. And the best thing about it is when you don't try to make health the January 1st of every year where you've joined the gym and you've committed, you're going to go two hours a day, every single day. And you're going to eat, you're going to go from eating your typical, typical Western diet to eating all whole foods, plant-based and a week into it, you're like, I can't keep this up. I can't. And so make it about, well, okay. Can, can you breathe in and out through your nose for 60 seconds every day. And if you can do that, okay, well then the next time I see you, let's talk about going from two glasses of water a day to three. I love it, Lindsay. I love it. Thank you. It's just personalized medicine. Everybody needs a little bit of love in a different direction to help them reach their goal. And on that note, I wanted you to do a shout out to the people um, about something that you're doing right now. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, I can, you can always find me at lindsayelmore.com. If you go to lindsayelmore.com slash free dash tools, I have a ton of free downloads, but I would love to invite everyone listening to come and do the clean slate cleanse with us. We are going to begin on October 1st. We are doing things a little bit differently this year than we've done in the past. So it will be a 28-day cleanse that not only is going to help you eat delicious food, because I am a firm believer that all food should be delicious, even if it is what people would consider so restrictive. And so when I say, well, it's wheat-free, sugar-free, alcohol free, plant-based, and almost caffeine-free. People go, oh no. But if you come to Clean Slate Cleanse, you can check out the blog. You can see how delicious the food is. I'm also adding in a once-weekly yoga to go along with it because, again, I think one positive choice begets another positive choice And so let's make it about a total body effort and focus on the mental changes that have to happen for you to actually believe that you're worth eating healthy. Like that's a thing you have to believe that or else you just fall into cycles of, well, I just want what's delicious and convenient right in front of me. So I invite everybody, come to cleanslatecleanse.com. There is a handout that you can download five free recipes. And by the time this episode airs, we may actually have a new handout that is 10 recipes that are not only wheat-free, sugar-free, alcohol-free, caffeine-free, and plant-based, but also do not contain soy, peanuts, tree nuts, or nightshades. So if you would like to even take it one step further and reduce additional allergens and additional inflammatory constituents within food, you can do that as well. Oh, there's so much to talk about. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) But we're going to go ahead and land this plane now. And go about the rest of the day. But I just want to thank you so much, Dr. Lindsay Elmore, for joining us all the way from America. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you. I just wanted to ask you, the cleanse, is it going to be virtual? Absolutely. So um, the cleanse is, um, I like cleanses where you get to eat food. Yay. And so we will do. Yes. I mean, when I hear people that like, I did a 14 day water fast, I'm like, you are a stronger person than I am. Um, And so the cleanse will be virtual every single day. You'll get a video to your inbox. We will be doing a beginning, middle and end Zoom call. And then you will also have access to all of the recipes on my website. And then we'll also be doing a weekly yoga session via Zoom great. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye.